And we're back with another episode of the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about the spicy, spicy race for the eighth seed in the Western Conference, along with a comprehensive playoff preview. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Bubble Awards. Jeff, how have you been this week, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Just enjoying sports. Um, no, it's a basketball podcast, but I have to talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs because my Toronto Maple Leafs again disappointed me. And, you know, as a Toronto sports fan, at least we have one team that's not disappointing, which is the Raptors. But the Leafs again disappointed. They didn't even make the playoffs this year because of the, there's like a play-in tournament, which is a little different from the NBA and the NHL. And um, they they lost. They didn't even make it to the playoffs. And it was just so embarrassing as a Leafs fan again to see. But um, at least I still the Raptors. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. As a Toronto sports fan, you're just prepared to be disappointed every year. It doesn't matter if you're a Jays fan, a Leafs fan. Even as a Raptors fan for a long time, we're just disappointed every year. We're built for disappointment. So it's. I wasn't surprised when I heard the Leafs blew it. I mean – I'm not the biggest Leafs fan. I'll support them if they're, you know, doing well. But, man, that's that's just a really uh, down note for the Leafs. And hopefully they can turn it around next year. But, hey, man, at least the Raptors are looking good going into the postseason. And Yeah, at least one team can look like an actual team and play to their potential. <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at the Leafs, they're kind of like the Sixers of the NHL in my opinion, just because they got, like, those stars. And every year, the the media, anyway, hypes them up as a contender. But then when they're actually playing in the season, it's like thing, there's a lot of flaws that they actually have that are not as um, evident. They don't. They just don't play to their potential. And it's just annoying as a fan because I keep saying, this is the year, this is the year, finally, finally. And they just keep on disappointing. And I, at this point, I don't know what else to say, like, or what else to do, like... <laughs> Hey, man, well, at least we got basketball. You know, we could still yeah. watch the NBA postseason. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on to the podcast. But first, we got to talk about the spicy race for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The Pelicans, mm-hmm. they're gone. They're out of here. Zion's fishing in the pier, dude. And he's not mm-hmm. fishing just because he wants to. He's literally going fishing. So Pelicans are out. The Spurs, the Suns, and... The Grizzlies are in the hunt for the ninth seed right now. They're all tied. And well, who would have known, but the Blazers are the team that jumped to eight. So a couple of podcasts back, I made that prediction that the Blazers would make it in. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. But, <laughs> you know, Damian Lillard, he's put up a lot of points these past couple of games. He's had back-to-back 50-plus games, and he's the only other player – other than Wilt Chamberlain, to record three 60-point games in a season. So first, I want to talk about the teams that are looking on the outside in. So first, let's talk about your Grizzlies. Um, They've been doing pretty bad in the bubble so far. They've only won one of uh, seven games they've played. Mm -hmm. What what happened to the Grizzlies, man? Let let them know what happened. I mean... I I pick them only because I really like they're a young, exciting team, and they still are that. But obviously, with a young team, there's inconsistencies. Um, and playing in the bubble, you know, it's a little different for everyone, you know. And they're they obviously haven't played as well. Um, and we've also seen some surprise teams that have played been playing better than expected um i would chalk this up as just a weird time and you know good experience for them and you're i probably don't see them getting that eight seed anymore but this is probably good experience for them and the next few years should be exciting for the memphis grizzlies hey man you can't take away credit from the grizzlies even if they don't make the postseason because a lot of a lot of people didn't even have them here at the start of the season you look right. at media outlets like ESPN, nobody picked the Grizzlies to make it this far. 
So the fact mm -hmm. that they're even here is already a testament to how good they've been this year. Although I think, like you said, the inconsistency of playing in the bubble may have hurt the Grizzlies. And they actually literally got hurt with Jaron Jackson Jr. tearing his Achilles, which is a big injury for a guy like him. So hopefully he can recover from that injury and recover fully. But the loss of him and on the interior was also pretty big for the Grizzlies because they're not playing Anthony Tolliver at the power forward spot. And no right. disrespect to Anthony Tolliver, but he's not Jaron Jackson Jr., right? He's not, not that not. defender. He's a, he's a pretty decent shooter, but, you know, the Grizzlies, they're, they're lacking there. And they've got a lot of young pieces to build around. They've got Grayson Allen. They've got Brandon Clark. They've still got JV. So the Grizzlies, you know, they're, they're, they're all right. You know, even if they don't make it, we, we respect them. But in, and you were talking about some teams that were kind of unexpected. How about the Phoenix Suns? Phoenix Suns are undefeated in the bubble. Like that that's something, right? What do you Devin see? Devin Booker. Devin Booker. This man is one of the most underrated players because, you know, he is a very, very talented young shooting guard, great three point shot, um, a leader. Um, and he's leading this team who uh, you know, when I look at this roster, um, they're actually not that bad of a team. I know early in the season they had a bit of a nice start uh, with Monty Williams' debut as a coach, and then they kind of faltered, which a lot of people expected. But now they're playing good again. You know, they've got some decent pieces. Um, obviously, DeAndre Ayton. Um, you got Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, having a point guard like Ricky Rubio, who I think has been pretty nice got some pieces that like they're not going to be a serious threat but um they go as far as Devin Booker goes and seeing Devin Booker play um these past games has been inspirational and really nice to see um and I'm really happy for the guy hey man two things about Devin Booker one when he hit that game winner over the Clippers and he was just like lying there on the court that give me like Kobe vibes man just like all the memes afterwards, you see, you see how um, when Kobe was lying down with the basketball behind his head, reminded me of that. And then number two, Devin Booker, he's hitting shots on the court, but he's also hitting the shots off the court. He likes strawberries, so Kendall Jenner, what's up? But yeah, Devin Booker, he's hitting all the shots, whether they're on the court or off the court. He's just hitting all the shots, man. Yeah. Absolutely. So the Suns, they're on fire. Their last game they're going to play is versus the Mavs. Forgot to mention that the Grizzlies, their last game that they're going to play is against the Bucks. So now we're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs, they're the model of consistency. They've been here since, like, you know, since we were born practically. They've been around. But this year, a lot of, t a lot of people counted them out this year, I'd like, I'd like to say because they're looking a little bit on the older side. DeMar DeRozan is arguably not the player he was before, although he is leading the bubble in clutch points in the fourth. I will say that, but he's obviously not what they had with Kawhi Leonard. And then they lost LaMarcus Aldridge. He's not in the bubble, but they're getting production from other players like Derek White. They're getting production from DeJounte Murray and Jakob Pertl. Shout out to Yaakov Pertle, but the Spurs, I, I just don't know why everybody counted them out this year. Like, that, that's perplexing to me. And even for myself, because I didn't count them to be, like, that team that could be there in the eighth seed, because the West is so stacked, right? So I think it's just, like, people are saying it's eventually going to happen where their Spurs playoff streak was going to end, and they – figured that this would be the year because of the amount of good teams and you know how old technically that the, the Spurs are. Um, but one thing is they still have Greg Popovich who is still, he still has that system. Um, he still expects the most out of these players. They're, there's a, they're an organization that um, really emphasizes in compet 
competing every single night. So just based on that alone, um, they'll always have a chance. In terms of the players, they still do have some um, pieces that can, like, com- that can definitely compete with some of the teams in the West. Uh, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, like you said, and then all those supporting pieces. Um, Deontay Murray is also a guy I really, really love. Um, and Lonnie Walker, uh, the fourth. Fourth. <laughs> yeah, the Lonnie Walker, the fourth, um, is a nice young piece that they're really trying to develop as well. Um, so with the Spurs, I would definitely say that um, it shouldn't be too surprising that they're in this um, in this four-way race. Um, and they would definitely, if they do get that eighth seed, uh, give the Lakers some problems. 100%. So out of these teams that are in the hunt right now for a playoff spot, who do you think is the team that can get to the plane? Because it looks like the Blazers are going to be the team that's going to be at eight because their last game is against the Nets. Who The Nets, they're not really playing for anything anymore, so they could rest a bunch of their main players. Although the Nets haven't had their main players for this whole bubble experience anyway, but the Blazers are probably going to make it to eight. Who do you think out of the Grizzlies, Spurs, and the Suns, who do you think is going to make it to the play-in out of those three? Um, well, if you're talking about those three, um, I think I think I would have to go with the hot team, which is the Suns. Um, it'd be exciting to see what they do because um, I don't re- – like not like a lot of people, we didn't expect them to be where they are right now. Um, so seeing them in this position, I'm curious to see what they do if they can continue this momentum. Like none of the Suns players really have ma- really played in the playoffs before, so or any like meaningful games at this point. Um, so it's just going to be. I-, I would be really interested to see how they play. Um, I think. One thing they do have as an advantage is that they really have nothing to lose. You know, this has already been above their expectations. So they're just going to play for pride and whatever happens, happens with them. And anything like, like this should be a good year for them, regardless of whatever happens. So that's why I picked the Suns. Yeah, and the last game is against the Mavs, who haven't played defense at all in the bubble. So they're going to be in a wild shootout with the Mavericks to uh, for their last game. So we'll have to see what happens with them. I think I'm going to have to go with the Spurs just because I think they're going to beat the Jazz in their last game. And I think they're just going to fight to the bitter end. The Spurs, if, if it's anybody that makes it in, I'd, I would just bet on Greg Popovich I'm going to have to show love to my boy, DeMar DeRozan. Happy belated birthday. His birthday was past week. But, um, mm. yeah, the Spurs just in general, they have a team that with a bunch of savvy veterans. They've got young guys. they got that perfect mix. So I think if they get into the ninth seed, they can give the Blazers a little bit of a run for their money in the play-in. And I think that's one that's going to go for three games possibly. Because um, – the ninth seed needs to win two games in order to advance, whereas the Blazers, if they win their first game against the playing uh, playing team, then they can advance to the playoffs. And that's a great segue to our playoff preview. So a lot of the playoff matchups are already set in the Eastern Conference, whereas in the West, we're just waiting on the four and five seed, and we're also waiting on the eight seed. But besides that, our playoffs are pretty much set. So we're going to be previewing the first round matchups this on this episode. And then later on in the week, once all the postseason uh, positions are set, we're going to be posting a bracket challenge. So we're going to be creating our own bracket live on the podcast. And we'll see if we get it right. Because actually you could win a lot of money if you get the, the playoff bracket like completely correct. So who knows, maybe we can like split that if we win. But, um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the playoff preview. So 
we got the Bucks versus the Magic in round one in the East. What do you see there? Uh, that's an easy sweep. Not much to say other than that. Like, I think that the Magic are still a few years away. They need a few more pieces. Um, I like. I I'm pretty sure they lost uh, Isaac, right? Yeah, yeah, torn torn ACL. So that just that makes it even easier for me to just say Bucks and four. I think the Bucks. It's it's just going to be a repeat of what they did last year to the Pistons. The Magic are a team that kind of looks like a former shell of themselves. If it was the Magic from last year, they could probably steal a game maybe if they get lucky on a bad shooting night with the Bucks. But I mean, even with Jonathan Isaac, I don't think they're stopping Giannis. They're not stopping Chris Middleton, and they're not going to stop the Bucks' offense. That's that's an easy sweep for the Bucks, no doubt. So mm-hmm. who do we who do we got in two and seven? Raptors in four. I just think that the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, there's no Kyrie, no KD, uh, no Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, you know, it's nice that they sign like a Jamal Crawford, and uh, you know they they've got some of the pieces like DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen, but they're just not the team. They're not the Nets that they should be. And uh, the Raptors should have no reason not to sweep them because they're not like the magic last year where like, you know, they do have some decent pieces. Like this team has, well, this current shell, this current version of the Brooklyn Nets has basically nothing. So the Raptors should sweep them. Hey man, I'll tell you what the the Nets injury roster right now is like nine deep, and that's including Dinwiddie who opted out of the bubble. But mm-hmm. um, and they lost Jamal Crawford as soon as they signed him. He played a game and then he got injured. Michael mm-hmm. Beasley, he's out with coronavirus, so they signed him and he he's on the injury list now too. So I feel bad for the Nets and. Although I do hate the Nets too, because I'll never forget that playoff series they had in 2014 when we lost. I, I still think that we got a, a bad shake from the refs in that series. It was just, it felt like they were setting up the Miami and uh, Brooklyn series in the next round. But honestly, I have, I shouldn't have a grudge anymore because we have a ring on, ring on our finger now. So I'm going to say for this one, wraps in five just because the yearly tradition of the Raptors blow, uh, blowing out, uh, not blowing out, blowing away the first game and losing in, in the first game of the first round, that just happens every year for some reason. I think it's happened to like, it only hasn't happened once in the last five years. And that was versus Washington, I believe, in 2017. But yeah. Raptors, they, they, they have a game one curse. I've written about this before. I don't know what it is. It could be like early start times, but just in general, I think Rodney Kuroks is going to lead the Nets to a game one victory. And then from there, the Raptors are going to crush them and take their souls out. Shouldn't be too hard as long as uh, the Raptors are playing well with Pascal Siakam, fingers crossed. But yeah, we talked too much about the Raptors. We got to move on to another compelling series. Celtics versus Sixers. And the Sixers have lost Ben Simmons to injury. So he's going to be out for pretty much majority of the season, if not the whole season. And Joel Embiid's all alone. So what do you see here in this series? Yeah, I would definitely say the Celtics in five. I think losing Ben Simmons uh, is a big deal. Um, Despite his... His, his shot not being the best. He's still a facilitator, a rebounder, a defender, um, and quite frankly, one of the leaders of the team. Uh, losing him is a big deal. Joel Embiid, um, he might he does have that mismatch, as in like he's like the dominant center who can kind of, and the, the Boston Celtics don't really have a like that kind of um, center to like combat that necessarily. But other than that, you know, They've got an Al Horford who's getting older um, with the 76ers. They, they're they not the team of last year. They don't have that Jimmy Butler. They don't have that J.J. Redick. Um, Matisse Thibault's okay. Um, 
but I just look at the the, the Celtics and they got a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker. Um, those start those players alone should make it fairly easy for the Celtics, especially with, with Simmons being out. If Simmons was there, I would probably say Celtics in like six or seven. But Simmons matters a lot, so that's why I picked the Celtics in five. So I have the Celtics in six, although I will say before Ben Simmons' injury, I had the Sixers actually beating the Celtics in seven maybe. So that just goes to show that Ben Simmons is pretty important to what they do. Although I will say that in the past, the Sixers have shown that they played really well without Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, one or the other being out of the lineup. So there could be a chance that the Sixers surprise us here and maybe get an upset victory. But I can't go against the Celtics, especially after what they did to the Raptors. They completely mauled to the Raptors the other day. And it was really embarrassing as a Raptors fan, but... I just have to put more respect on the Boston Celtics. I have a friend that's um, a Boston Celtics hater, and he wants to hear the slander. But you got to put respect on their name. They got a top five offense and a top five defense. So that just goes to show how good they are as a team. And a lot of teams that ended up winning the championship are top five offense, top five defense. So they're, they're championship caliber. I will say that Joel Embiid has a chance to swing this whole series by himself. Just because the the Celtics don't have that guy to lock down Embiid, like the Sixers literally signed Al Horford just to get him from matching up with Joel Embiid in the playoffs. So I think the Sixers have a, a puncher's chance, but the Celtics are ultimately going to finish them off in six. But um, yeah, it could be earlier depending on what Brett Brown does because I don't respect him as much as a coach. I don't think he's deserving of being the Sixers coach. I think a lot of other coaches could do a better job in his spot. But, yeah, Celtics in six to cut that one short. The next one is kind of uh, spicy in terms of beef. We've got the Jimmy Butler-led Miami Heat versus the bubble god TJ Warren and the Indiana Pacers. So in terms of that series, how do you see that playing out? Well, this is going to be probably the most entertaining series in the East, in my opinion. Um, the Pacers, I've, oh, I've always seen them as an underrated competitive team. Um, but then since they, uh, they lost Sabonis, correct? Yeah. yeah. TJ Warren has been playing out of his mind in the bubble. I've always seen them as a very good player. Like even I even like when the when the Phoenix Suns uh let him go, I was like, Oh, that's a young three and D guy. You know, you don't just give them away for like essentially nothing. And like TJ Warren has found a home in with the Indiana Pacers. Um he's obviously had more of a bigger role during this um during this restart and he's been taking advantage taking advantage of it, playing very well. Um, but I still say the Miami Heat wins this series um, because I just see them as a very, very deep team. I will say, though, it's probably going to be in seven. It's going to be the one series in seven. Um, but Miami, definitely going to win because I just see, you know, they got pieces like Jimmy Butler, Bam. Um, they've got, you know, they've, they've got wing defenders, even though, like, a guy like Andre Iguodala is past his prime, he's still a valuable player. Jay Crowder, they've got shooting, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Gordon Dragic is a very good veteran point guard to have. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. Just a very well deep team um, and a great coach, Eric Spolstrom. I think he would um, win the matchups against Nate McMillan. Uh, and um, yeah, that's why I picked the Heat, but it'll definitely be in, in seven. Okay, so I think it's really interesting that you have it going to seven because I can see the series play out one of two ways. So if TJ Warren is absolutely balling out of his mind, I still think it won't be enough and the Heat are going to close him out in six. But if they lock down TJ Warren, the offense isn't really going to come from anywhere else. 
because Sabonis, one of their biggest creators, is out. And then you got Victor Oladipo playing, but he's not Victor Victor Oladipo we know. So I don't think if, if that happens where TJ Warren's shut down, I think Miami could easily finish the game and finish the series in four. But wow. that is an interesting coaching matchup, like you mentioned. I think Nate McMillan is one of those coaches that doesn't get enough credit. Similar to Spolstra, he's done a fantastic job in his tenure with Indiana so far. And I think he's earned a he earned a contract extension actually today. But yeah, I, I don't see it going to seven just because I think the Heat are way too deep for the Pacers. Aside from TJ Warren, I don't know where the offense is going to come from for Indiana. I'll still give them the benefit of the doubt, and Miami's going to take it in six just because I think TJ Warren will have one or two games where he pops off, but then Jimmy Butler will lock him down the following game. So that's definitely going to be the most entertaining series. Um, I want to see Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren mix it up, get in uh, each other's heads a little bit. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. So now we got to go out west. This is where things get a little more complicated because the seeding isn't really set yet. You got Utah and OKC, which are the current four and five seeds that are fighting for playoff position. Uh, Utah is half a game behind OKC to clinch the fifth spot. And Utah's last game they're going to play is versus the Spurs, who are also fighting for playoff position. And then you got OKC, whose two games left are against Miami and the Clippers. So how about we first talk about the uh, four or five dynamic since we're already there. In terms of those two teams, who do you see picking up the four or five spot? Well, I think um, I think the Thunder will retain the fifth fifth spot. I think the fifth spot is the more desired position because I think that both the Jazz and the Thunder feel like they have a better chance against the Rockets versus the Denver Nuggets because Denver is a very deep team, especially with the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. and Bobo, although they probably won't have as many minutes when it comes down to like the playoff games. But um, I think that regardless of anything, if the Rockets are playing the Jazz, um, Rockets have that, and I would I'd say Rockets and six, um, Jazz. You know they're just the same team um, with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley is kind of their X factor. See how he plays. Um, but if it's the Thunder versus the Rockets, if Thunder has the fifth seed, I could see Thunder and seven. Um, and I know that the, the dynamic of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, a super dynamic superstar uh, backcourt. Um, they obviously can produce offensively. I watched the Bebop breakdown where they were talking about how like Westbrook is actually a very good fit uh, with James Harden um, in comparison to Chris Paul. And to be honest, which means that like, you know, and for the Thunder side, like Chris Paul has been a great fit with the Thunder and has really actually um, elevated Billy Donovan's plan and actually like allowed Billy Donovan to actually coach the way he's wanted to coach for years. Um, so in some, if just, just on play alone, that's a good trade for both sides. Um, but the way that Chris Paul has been playing with the OKC Thunder has been absolutely amazing he's been able to really showcase again like why he's a top point guard in the league um and with the pieces that they have with uh shea and and having dennis schroeder off the bench that three combo point guard dynamic is amazing um also steven adams has been playing his best uh, basketball in years again with that bebop breakdown video talking about how like um it's really been able to put like Chris Paul has really been able to um, put Steven Adams in the best positions versus how, when Steven Adams was playing with, um, with Westbrook, essentially like everyone knew 
that they were playing around Westbrook getting that triple doubles every game. So that affected uh, Steven Adams' play. Um, so overall, I would just say that Thunder would take the Rockets in seven, but if it's the Jazz in the fifth seed, it's Rockets in six. Right, and I'd just like to correct myself earlier. I meant to say that the Thunder and Jazz are fighting for the five and six position. So that's just a little correction on my half. I think I see things similar to you. I'm really rooting for Chris Paul because um, I feel like he's had a career where if you play out his career a hundred times, I think this is one of the worst versions of his career. I think he should have at least had one MVP and he should at least have one title at this point. So shout out to Chris Paul. He's been one of the best point guards we've ever seen in the NBA. And he's been very good for a long time. And I think a lot of people counted him out once he was traded to, to OKC, just because people didn't really evaluate the parts around and, People thought that they're destined to go to the lottery and the Thunder were going to move Chris Paul for some more assets. But it turns out Chris Paul was the leader that the Thunder needed in order to shine as a team. And I just think it would be the perfect storyline if Chris Paul got revenge versus the Rockets in a tough playoff series. And the way I see that series playing out, I just think the Thunder, they have the defenders that can help corral the three-point line you got um dort on the thunder who is a canadian from montreal i really wanted the raptors to pick him up he's a physical perimeter defender that can hang out there on the wing and then you also got guys like danilo gallinari who are shooting lights out and are coming off screens and setting up other people i think in general i'm only picking the thunder just off of a feeling that um Chris Paul can get revenge against the Rockets. And I don't know why, but I just never liked the Rockets in general. I mean, I respect that they're going for something different where they're trying to go for like small ball, all threes type of game. But I, I just not a big fan of that type of basketball. I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist where I want to see a big guy and then some shooting around the big guy. I think that's the general recipe for success in the NBA. Although the Rockets have that potential to also blow out teams by 40 if they're hitting all their shots. So that's really interesting, but I'm just picking the Thunder based off of a feeling. Um, in terms of the Jazz and Rockets, yeah, Rockets are going to blow them out like they did the last couple seasons. It's just because Rudy Gobert is going to get played off the floor when uh, the Rockets run their five-out lineup with rest with Westbrook. So that, that series isn't really too much of a series to look into. In terms of Denver matching up potentially with the Jazz or the Thunder, I think Denver takes the series regardless of who they play. I think Nikola Jokic has played fantastic in the bubble. He's, um, I think he's averaged around like 25 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. So mm -hmm. I just think the Jazz and the Thunder, they don't really have too many options against a guy like that. I'd say the, I'd say, well, then again, they got Steven Adams and uh, Rudy Gobert to defend that. But the Nuggets are deeper than just Jokic. They got Jamal Murray. They've got Will Barton. Or I don't think Will Barton's played recently, but they got Michael Porter Jr. too, who's emerged in the bubble. And Bull Bull is also an interesting player that can contribute here and there. But I just think the Nuggets in general, they, they've got that matchup whoever they play. So moving on to that, we're going to save the uh, one versus eight matchup for last because that's the one that can change depending on what happens. But we can talk first about the Clippers and Mavericks. I had a pretty uh, bold take a couple weeks ago saying that the Mavericks could take anybody who they play in the Western Conference. And I, I think that's a little bit of a cold take just because uh, their defense has been non-existent. They can probably shoot with the best of them, but, man, their defense is such a letdown that I, I don't even know if you can even say that anymore. What do you see here versus the Clippers and Mavericks? I, I'm a big fan of Luka Doncic. Um, I, I love the 
the potential of that team for the next few years, having the dynamic of Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. I think, however, this series, um, this will be Luka's first time in the playoffs. And, you know, although he's going to get his points, um, although they, although he's going to um, be a focal point for the team, um, having the wing defenders of Kawhi and Paul George is going to be rough. It's going to be a rough time for him. Um, he won't, he'll, he'll have to, he'll learn that, the things that he can play. There's a difference in play between regular season and playoffs. I think him being as young as he is, um, this will be a good experience. Um, I would definitely probably have to say this is keeping in mind Luka Doncic's um, talent. I think Clippers in six. Um, you know, they do have, with the Mavericks, they still have Christoph Porzingis, a, a good big man who can stretch the floor. Um, Seth Curry is a very nice player to have. Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson. But with how deep the Clippers are, um, having a Patrick Beverly, who's a good defensive point guard, um, having, you know, the players, uh, like the people who come off the bench, like Lou Williams and Montre Harrell, I see the Clippers. Um, winning this series, they're obviously a contender to win it all. Um, but I'm giving, the, I'm putting, I'm making, I'm giving it to six games because I'm respecting the talent that the Mavericks have, but it won't be enough to beat the Clippers. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a prediction that Luke is not going to struggle as much as people are making it out to be in the playoffs, just because Luka Doncic is a player that, I don't think we've ever seen before in terms of his success at a young age. He's been playing meaningful basketball since like the age of 15. And that's not just like meaningful minutes in like spurts. He's like these, he was the star guy in the EuroLeague winning EuroLeague MVP, EuroLeague championships. That's essentially the second best basketball league in, in the, in the whole entire world. So the, the fact that people are making it out that, oh, he's going to struggle against the playoff opposition, I don't think it's going to be so much because of his first time in the playoffs. If he struggles, it's going to be more so because of, like you said, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the best perimeter defenders in the league, have the potential to shut down a guy like Luka Doncic. But I'm, I'm going to put some stock in Luka Doncic in terms of his, uh, his ability to play good basketball in meaningful games. So I'd just like to say that. I think Kristaps Porzingis might struggle just because I don't think he's – he hasn't really played too many meaningful games in the playoffs yet or in a postseason-like scenario. So maybe he might struggle out of the gate. But the way I see it, just because the Mavericks' defense is just so, so bad to watch, I think the Clippers are going to beat them in five. Luka Doncic will have his one game where he pops off, but I think the Clippers, especially with Patrick Beverly too, back in the lineup, they're going to be able to shut down the perimeter. Guys like Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway Jr., I don't think they're going to be able to get their shooters to get going. And I agree with you too that the Mavericks are a team that are definitely to watch in the 2020s. They'll, they'll be there, but this will be a good learning experience for them. I got the Clippers in five. So lastly, we got to talk about the one versus eight matchup. This could change depending on who makes it into the playoffs because three teams, like we said, are set to force the play in. And we got the Blazers currently at eight. So how about we talk about all these teams briefly? Uh, where do you want to start in terms of who gets in on eight? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll just break it down as easy as this. I say if the Lakers face the Grizzlies, the AC, that's an easy sweep. Um, The Suns, even though I feel like I do have like no, I don't really know how they'll play in the playoffs, regardless of whatever happens. I do, I'll probably say say that the Lakers probably sweep the Suns as well, despite Devin Booker's best efforts. Um, The Spurs would cause the Lakers maybe a little bit of problems. I'd say. So it would be the Lakers in five. Um, 
the the sorry I said the Spurs right yeah with the Blazers that's the interesting matchup because um with the playoffs as with the NBA playoffs it's all about star players you know star players mean more than in for their team than than other sports I would say and with the Blazers Damian Lillard means so much to that franchise he's he means so much. I mean, he's that superstar, point guard, the leader, the facilitator, clutch performer, as proven time after time. I know, like, um, I can briefly mention the whole Paul George, uh, Damian Lillard, Patrick Beverly situation about how when uh, Lillard missed free throws, you know, they were laughing. But Lillard was basically saying, and I'm on his side, in that, like, they're just, they're acting like that because they know that time after time, Lillard has proven to be a clutch performer. I mean, Paul George should know a lot thing or two about that with last <laughs> year, um, how Damian Lillard hit that shot over him and basically sent him to the Clippers. <laughs> um, so with Lillard, keeping um, Lillard's clutchness and play in mind, I would say that the Blazers could push the Lakers to a seven-game series. Hmm. Yeah, I think of the Blazers. Um, um, the Lakers, they have some, even though they are the first seed, they have flaws. Um, they're, they're not the full team. They don't have uh, Avery Bradley. Um, they'll go, like, I know Kuzma had a game winner the other night. Um, he's, the, he's their third option, and his, he's the X factor in terms of how far the Lakers want to go. Um, because and also Davis, who hasn't been playing the greatest in the bubble, he's had some inconsistent games uh, throughout the bubble. Um, so the Lakers, even though they are the first seed, they're not the definitive best team in the West. And with the Blazers, I, I think Lillard's on a mission. Um, so I could see that in going to seven games, but ultimately LeBron James would be fed up with um, the, the team being as inconsistent and losing those three games. And I think the Lakers would take it under LeBron's leadership in game seven and win in seven. All right. I definitely agree with you with all your um, takes in terms of the other teams besides the Blazers. Lakers versus Suns, I think that's a sweep. Spurs, five games for the Lakers. And then Grizzlies, I think that's a sweep for the Lakers. But that Blazers matchup is so intriguing just because Damian Lillard feels like, I don't know, I don't know how he feels, but to me, it looks like everybody's against him right now. We've got Skip Bayless out here saying that he only said the things that he said because he was depressed. I don't know about that. No. He, he's a character on TV, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he needs to have these, like, hot, like, really unpopular takes. Or he needs to call people out. That's his job. But Damian Lillard, he's just on a mission to prove everybody wrong. You can see how after that game where he missed two free throws, he dropped 50 the next game, and then he dropped 60 the night, like the game after. So, Damon, I respect him a lot, man. He's he's one of the best players in the league, and the Blazers have gotten healthy at the right time. I've said this in previous episodes. I think the addition of having Nurkic again completely changes how they are as an offense and a defense. So. The Blazers are a lot better than the record suggests. And the way, I, the way I see this series playing out is Damian Lillard is probably going to pop off like the first two games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers take one or two of the first games. And if they take two, that's when LeBron's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not having this. And he's going to be guarding Damian Lillard for the rest of the way. And then the Lakers should have no problem really taking out the Blazers in six or seven. But you you are right that the Lakers are completely flawed. I think besides Anthony Davis, LeBron James, I don't really know who I can count on as a consistent contributor on that team. You'll get who they got on the roster, Dion Waiters. I mean, he's always the first guy I like to bring up because I think that's just – I think it was a bad signing in my opinion. He's a player that doesn't take good shots, and he's a player that takes shots where – he feels like he's like a Kobe Bryant, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade type of player. But when he shoots the shot, it's like completely bricks. 
Although there are games where he can be completely on and just make all the shots. So he's kind of like that, kind of an X factor for them. But I don't see him being a solid contributor consistently throughout the postseason. Then you got J.R. Smith, who is also kind of the same way Deion Waiters is. Danny Green's been up and down in the bubble. I remember him laying a fat zero on the Raptors in the game they had. So if Danny Green's making his shots, then you can maybe count on him, but he's only really there for three for threes and for defense. So if he's not providing the threes, then what's he gonna what else can he do, right? And then you look at Alex Caruso, the GOAT. He he's probably the one guy I trust on the roster aside from LeBron and A D. Because he's as as funny as people make it out to be that he's like the GOAT. He's a player that consistently contributes to winning basketball. He makes the right pass. He shoots open threes at the right time. He plays good defense. But aside from that, I don't know. Kyle Kuzma, he hit the game winner. Shout out to him. But I don't think he's the guy that's going to put up like 13 to 15 a night in a series. I think he's a little too inconsistent for that. And I don't think he's ready to be that type of player yet. He, he can probably get there in his career. But as of right now, I don't think he's that guy. And when you look at the rest of the roster, I don't know, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, like, I don't know, man. It's, the fact that people are making out the Lakers to be, like, true contenders is just because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are there. Aside from that, their team is kind of thin. So the way I see it, the Blazers probably take first one or two, surprise the Lakers a lot, and then the Lakers will finish them off just because LeBron is LeBron. But I don't know, man. It's it's tough for me to assess the Lakers just because they've been so inconsistent and up and down this entire this entire bubble. So if you're betting on the Lakers, you're playing a shaky game. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you seen that? Uh, have you seen that Paul Pierce? Um, he was on the NBA Countdown, and he was like, "I agree." Have you seen that before? No, I didn't see that one. What was this about? All right, so it was like a couple weeks ago. Um, Rachel Nichols, Kendrick Perkins, and uh, Paul Pierce were doing an NBA countdown, I think, or one of their ESPN segments. So right. like Kendrick Perkins just finished like saying this like elaborate, elaborate, like elaborate uh, argument, and then Paul Pierce is like, "I agree," and then he's just like nodding, and then it's like silent for maybe like fifteen, twenty seconds. And Rachel oh, Nichols is just like, what's going on? Like, what the fuck? And then, and then just like cuts to commercial. I, I just thought of that now. That that just that just made me laugh, because that, that always makes me laugh. Just because like, we we are in journalism school together, and we've yeah. done TV, right? Like TV class. So when when you have nothing to say, and then it's just like awkward on the air. It's it's kind of funny. So it's, yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, you know, like, we kind of forget that, like, you know, a lot of these analysts are NBA players, first, so they don't really have the the TV. Training. Like, they're, they're learning on the fly. Like, they're learning on the fly. So it's kind of funny hearing a story like that. Um, you know, Paul Pierce has been, like, a, a funny analyst, um, entertaining, to say the least, um, with his takes and stuff like that, but... He's good for TV, even though he, <laughs> that's a funny, funny uh, story. Yeah. Anyways, we're going to wrap this one up soon. We just got one more segment to go. We're just going to talk briefly about the bubble awards. So last night, a report came out that there's actually going to be awards for the bubble play. So in terms of these eight games, they're going to have an all bubble. They have all bubble teams. So all bubble first team, all bubble second team. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to have a third team. But they're going to be recognizing some of the players that have played well in the bubble. And they're also going to have a bubble MVP. So we'll, we'll go over our pick for the bubble MVP first. And then we'll talk about like five guys that are going to be in the first team for the all-bubble team. So who, who do you have for a bubble MVP? There's a couple of guys that you could mention. But who's the main guy who you think? I think it's pretty easy for me um, based off impact and play in the bubble, it's got to be Devin Booker. I mean, that he's a guy who's impacted winning. 
and leading the team into the contention that they are in right now. With TJ Warren, of course, that's another solid pick, but the Pacers are already, I mean, you know, actually, I know that Sabonis is gone and stuff, and TJ Warren has to elevate his game, and it's a bit impressive. But at the same time, the Pacers are have a comfortable spot. They've got a playoff spot already. You know, they're pretty comfortable. Um, while with Booker, he's literally, like, carrying that team to the eight, the, the race for the eighth spot um, and really surprising people with their play um, and it's impacting winning the way uh, he is. Meanwhile, TJ Warren, you know, like, even though he's playing great, he kind of got shut down a little bit by the Miami Heat the other game. Um, so I got to say it's Devin Booker. Yeah, I mean, he's averaged 30.3 points in the bubble, and the Suns are 7-0. and So, I mean, that's hard to argue against. Um, some some players that I think probably won't win, but I think deserve recognition, Luka Doncic, for example, he's averaged a 33-point triple-double in the bubble. <laughs> that's that's a funny rhyme. Triple-double in the bubble. But, yeah, he, he's averaged that, and that's been impressive. James Harden's also been very good in the bubble. Um, the way I see it, TJ Warren and Booker are probably the two guys that are are the ones to consider. Um, I'd probably give it to Booker too, just because his team's been undefeated and they're looking to go undefeated throughout this entire bubble experience so far. So shout out to Devin Booker. Did he shoot a shot successfully with uh, Kendall Jenner? I think he did. Um, so that that's that's another one to his uh to his bag of tricks, but. I will say that Kardashian curse is really real. Like it's real. Look what happened to Lamar Odom, man. Like shout out to him, but yo, Lamar Odom almost died. So, I mean, who (laughs) knows what's going to happen, man? Look at Ben Simmons. He dated Kendall Jenner. Who else? Um, Jordan Clarkson. Who else is on the list? Kuzma. There's like, have you seen that team? Like the all, all Kendall Jenner team. It's like all the players that have dated Kendall Jenner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blake Griffin, I think too. Blake Griffin, D'Angelo. Is D'Angelo on that team? I don't know. Probably, probably. Yeah. It, it's safe to say Kendall Jenner has a type, but um, and also, can I say like these players are kind of nasty. Like they're going over the same girl, and it's like they're passing her around. Like it's uh the basketball. Like, I don't know. Oh, it couldn't be me. Well, you know, it's really funny. This, you know. It's easy for us to say these things, but, you know, who knows what would happen if we were in their position, hey. you know? It's a, hey, if, if we had style. a shot. Well, I think that's why I freaking love the Raptors, because I don't feel those type of vibes with the, the players on our team, you know? Like, I see them as family, man. Like, uh, Larry, Fred Van Fleet. And, of course, we had the advantage of, like, watching Open Gym. Um, and I just, well, I just felt like, I think the the closest player to like that type of lifestyle when he was on the team was Terrence Ross because he had a little bit of um <laughs> like he, he had a thing with um I think um what's, what's her name? name Amber Rose Amber Rose yeah yeah he left his baby mama for Amber Rose and then went back to her that, that was the closest thing to like that kind of like world with the Raptors because other than that like I see the Raptors and everyone's always seemed to be like family men even going back to like Demar Derozan. Um, seeing the kids, Kyle Lowry's been always been a family man. Um, I or if they do have that lifestyle, they hide it very well because I haven't heard anything of like like that with the Raptors. So either way, I've been like really that's something I've been proud of as a Raptors fan. Yeah, man, Raptors are all about business. Speaking about business, we just got to get to our last picks for the All Bubble first team point guard. Who do you got? Ooh. Um, there's been a lot of players. I but I gotta say Damian Lillard. Yeah, it's it's gotta be Lillard, just because his scoring yeah. outbursts have been insane, and he's leading his team to the playoffs. At the shooting guard, I got Devin James Booker. Harden, just because of his stats. Now you gotta have Devin Booker. Okay, yeah, Devin. Yeah, Devin Booker too. If he's gonna win MVP, then he's gotta be on the first team. Okay, yeah, I'll take that back. I think James but, Harden is just like. That's just typical numbers for him, you know? He'll probably make one of the three or two teams, like bubble teams, right? For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Booker got to be first team. 
at the small forward, I think the selection is a little bit thinner. Um, I, you, I, you I, put, I got Luca, but who, yeah. who do you have? Luka? Yeah, I would say Luca. Luca in the three. Um, you could also put TJ Warren there. Um, I think TJ Warren's been playing the four though. That's who I had for the power forward spot. Right. Of, okay. Yeah. Sabonis being out. Yeah, three or four, but yeah, you could put Warren at the four. Um, then yeah, Lucas just because of his numbers. Even though like that's it's weird to say like we underrate his stats a little because we expect that that's gonna be like that for a long time. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna be. We've already considered that to be the norm for him, even though he's a second year guy. Like that just speaks to how special that guy is. He's got goat potential. Like that's I think that's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah, that's the thing. Potential, and he's already gained these points. Like these. Yeah, statistics. he's only in his second season. Like people forget that, but that's he's mad. also been playing professional basketball since he was a teenager. So that's right. like just goes to show how special of a talent he is. And in Absolutely. terms of like the center spot for this team, uh, I don't know because Jokic. Jokic, yeah, I guess Jokic or Bam. I'd I'd say Jokic right now, just because Jokic has probably been the best center in the NBA in the bubble. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Like Bam, you said maybe. Um, Nurkic, I don't know. Nurk, well, Nurkic nah, has yeah, been kind of. It's gotta be Jokic. He's been okay. It's gotta be Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, do you got anything else to add before we close this one out? Any shout-outs? <laughs> uh, not really. Just more of, like, uh, we're going to have our um, playoff bracket later on this week. Um, have some thoughts on that. Um, and uh, can't wait for the playoffs. It should be – it starts this weekend. Good matchups. Um, I would say that, like, um, in watching the hockey, like, even though, like, the, their play-in tournament was, like, uh, not officially the playoffs. They just started the playoffs uh, yesterday, which was the 11th. Um, but they still had that playoff-type setting um, during the playing tournament. And um, you don't really, like, I, the crowd dynamic, like, you do miss that. But other than that, the competitiveness is still there. It's still playoff action. So I think it's going to be the same thing with the NBA um, playoff game. Um it's going to be a little different not hearing like the crowd going crazy after a shot or the chance like uh, with the let's go Raptors or defense type of chance like that's iconic with the game. Um, but the, the, I think the play is still going to be up to par. Um, <laughs> I still, I think the, the virtual fan thing is kind of cool kind of seeing their reactions in the background. Um, but well, it'll be definitely interesting to see um, the playoff games in this bubble. And um, actually, another note, just to also compare to um, uh, the NHL playoffs, is uh, I know that last night um, there was a game that went to overtime. Five, um, five overtimes, right? Five overtimes, right. And the thing is, because of that, the length of that game, um, they had to push the eight o'clock game, I believe it's the Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes next day in the morning, 11 a.m. Actually, they're playing right now as wow. we speak, which is funny. And I think that that could be potentially a thing that could happen in the NBA playoffs too, because they're all playing in Orlando. And it's going to be, again, different because they're all playing in just one arena. Um, the, the games are going to be... They got, they got three, I think. They got three or four courts. Oh, they got three courts. Oh, okay. So I don't think they've like um, released a schedule per se, but I think that um, there's going to be games during the morning or not morning, but like afternoon games and mm-hmm. night games. Um, we'll see how that works out, the dynamics. It's good. This is just weird times, you know? It's, everything's so different. Um, the scheduling, the fact that they're playing in August. Um, yeah lack of fans we'll see how the playoffs it's going to be at the end of the day it comes down to good basketball which is why they're doing all this and i'm excited for that hey man you just brought up that it's august that's kind of sad that half a year has gone by and i felt like literally nothing has happened besides like coronavirus but also a lot of good things have happened since then like the right for the the 
the fight for civil rights and equality has happened. So a lot of good things have happened this year. And I think the best is yet to come. We've got the postseason coming up for the NBA playoffs. But we're going to be wrapping up this episode of the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. Make sure you stay locked on our social medias, jpeg.john and Jeff Traminator, for any updates. And also, thanks again for listening to our podcast on Spotify. We didn't mention that um, we had trouble getting a video clips up, but uh, we'll be having that up soon on YouTube. Anyways, do you have any uh, remarks to close off, Jeff? Not really. Just don't forget to listen to us on the stream, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, thank you for listening. Until then, we're out. Peace. See you. All right. We are done.